Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. Hey, you be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. We've got a new travel club happening, so I want you to go on to speakingoftravel.net, sign up for the new travel club. There's going to be a lot of great things happening in 2018, and I want you to be there now. Speaking of travel is brought to you by the Asheville Regional Airport with five airlines, 11 nonstop destinations connecting you anywhere you want to go and by Appalachian Realty. That's AppalachianRealty.com. They can help you find the perfect little bungalow or farmhouse right here in Western North Carolina. Well, I think we can all agree that travel is good for a lot of things, but did you know it can also increase your mental wellness? well-being. That's right. Traveling can make you a happier person. It builds your self-confidence. It provides new experiences and memories, and it allows you to break out of that routine, meet people from all over the world, and just be happy. I know I feel happy when I'm gaining new experiences and insights and challenging my boundaries. Well, my guest today loves life-changing experiences, and she's out there doing what she loves, celebrating the the magic of world travel and using her award-winning photography and original storytelling to inspire us to have adventures and make connections wherever we go. Susan Portnoy is the insatiable traveler. She's known for her lush photography and unique storytelling. And you can see her work in U.S. News and World Report, Mashable, The Huffington Post, Today.com, just to name a few. And she's here with us today. Welcome back to the show, Susan. I am so glad to have you here. Hey, Marilyn. Thank you for having me back. I'm very excited. I know. And I'll tell you what, since 2016, when you were here last, you have been out and about all over the place. I follow you on your website and on Facebook. And I'll tell you, you are living my dream, girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm living my dream, too, which is nice. Awesome. It's always nice to be able to live your dream. Yeah. Well, Susan, so remind us, give us a little backstory. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, sure. Um, you know, the becoming a, a travel writer and a photographer was re- actually, you know, over several years because I was in the world of corporate communications and I loved to travel and I would go around the world in my classic, you know, two week vacation here and two week vacation there. But um, in, in later in my life, as I started to fall in love with photography, I started posting things on Tumblr, Facebook, or anything else, you know, any of the social channels. And I started getting really great feedback. So, of course, when someone gets feedback, you start to post more and more. And then I started adding storytelling to it. And it really gradually began to take shape. It wasn't um, until 2014 that I even thought of the name The Insatiable Traveler, but I thought that it spoke to my love of travel. And when I started that, I started, uh, because I had some 
good photos up and I had some good storytelling up and I was starting to blog for the Huffington Post, which is now the HuffPost, um, I started getting some invitations uh, to go to Africa and some other locations and, you know, it, it really sort of snowballed, um, but in a slow fashion. It, it, it wasn't an overnight change. So that was what, 2014, and here we are three years later, four years later now, and look at all the places you've been. It's been crazy. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, I have to say, but I'm insatiable, so I'm never traveling as much as I'd like. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> we're all living vicariously through you, so you need to keep it going. <laughs> well, tell us, as we get started here, tell us the... Um, website where people can maybe they want to look while we're talking to of um, how where your website is how people could connect with you oh absolutely thank you um, it's the insatiable traveler.com and you can also find me on Twitter at insatrav i-n-s-a-t-r-a-v and on Instagram as Insatiable Traveler. Wow, so that's your. I'll tell you your your photos and your storytelling. They're just so inspiring, Susan. I have to say because it's like we're there in your back pocket, and you're sharing with us some incredible um, visual images. That just the fact that you're there is really mind blowing. <laughs> Well, Marilyn, you are so kind. Thank you. No, really. I mean, I, I follow you, especially on Facebook. And I'll tell you, you know, you post these stories and these uh, these images. It's like, good Lord, how is somebody actually standing uh, right there, like with the northern lights? Tell us a little about how you captured some of those photos. Sure. Well, one of the best things about that story, um, which is chasing the northern lights from above and below, was it was the first time I've ever seen the northern lights. And I was in northern Manitoba near the Hudson Bay, and I was there for a walking polar bear safari, which I'd love to tell you about as well. And it was, let's see, 2 a.m. in the morning, and I had let the, the staff know at Churchill Wild, which is the company um, that had this fantastic lodge called Seal River Heritage Lodge, and I had let them know that I wanted to be woken up if there was any northern light. So 2.39 in the morning, I get this knock, come on up, there's northern lights. So went outside, and wow. It was just as thrilling as I imagined they would be. Um, it is almost as if there's, um, I don't know, they have a, they have a spiritual quality to, quality to them. Um, and, and you wanted to know how I photographed them as well? Yes, I'm very curious. I mean, here you are, it's 2.30 in the morning. You're waking up out of a sound sleep. You grab your camera. I mean, do you have the settings all set? What's going on right then? Yes. Well, that's a great question. Um, yes, I had my camera ready. Um, you need a tripod because it's uh, basically a long exposure. So you can't capture all of the northern lights all the, because um, even though you can see it with your eye, the camera can see more if, if the exposure is longer, if the shutter speed is slower. So to do that, in order to have a crisp picture, you need a tripod. So I had my camera on a tripod ready to go. I had it set um, manually. 
um, from a from a focal focus point of view um, at infinity, so that it could take in the stars and the northern lights at the same time. And I grabbed my camera and um, first took about 15 minutes to get all of my um, cold weather accoutrement on because it was about minus 29 degrees, <laughs> um, which is an adventure in and of itself. Um, put all my layers on, got my overcoat on, went outside and um, and went to this tower that they had, this great lookout tower where we could adjust our photos. And so there was a few other travelers who were with me. And it was a lot of fun uh, taking the pictures because the northern lights, they pulse and they change. And, and one minute you can be looking at it and they're not there. And then you look to your right and they are brilliantly lighting up the sky to your right. So it, it's it's really an, an incredible show. Well, I can tell you, looking at those photos, and I encourage everybody who's listening right now to go to Susan's website and check out these photos because, you know, to me, Susan, it just, it's, it just shows how accomplished you've become to be able to actually be like the Northern Lights, you know, to have that flexibility and um, insight to just jump out there and, and get it done. Tell us again the website so that people can go on and start looking at some of these incredible photos. Absolutely. TheInsatiableTraveler.com. I'm talking to Susan Portnoy. We'll be back. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Remember, you can listen to Speaking of Travel anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. And I just want to let you know, too, did you know the Asheville Airport tops passenger records for 2017? That's right. There are so many people leaving in and out of the Asheville Airport that the numbers are just growing. The airport is growing. They have that great new parking lot. You know what? When you leave 
or come back to Asheville from the Asheville Regional Airport, you're home. No road trip involved. Well, I am excited to have Susan Portnoy. She's the insatiable traveler here on the show today. She was talking to us about the Northern Lights being up in Canada. Welcome back. It's so nice to talk to you, Susan, and have you back on the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Marilyn. Thank you. You bet. So I'm telling you, that story about the Northern Lights just gave me goosebumps. You know, when you talk about that spiritual experience of something that's just so much bigger than than we are, it must just leave you in awe. Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, that's the one thing that you want to do when you photograph as well, is you do want to take a few moments and, and get yourself from out from behind the, the camera lens and just drink in the scene. And so um, I, I, really, I really did that that night. It was incredible. It, and I was lucky enough that a couple nights later we were able to see it again, thankfully uh, a little earlier, around 9 p.m. Um, that's the thing about the Northern Lights. You never know if they're going to appear, how strong they're going to be, or what time. Um, it's really sort of a crapshoot, but it's kind of fun because it's a mystery. Yes, and I'll tell you, that whole trip must have been just fabulous. You were, I mean, the Northern Lights was just a part of it, but tell us more about this polar bear walking photo safari. I've never heard of such a thing. Well, typically... um, Polar bear sightings and viewings and things tend to take place in big tundra vehicles. I'm sure, uh, you know, people have seen them. They're these big white, you know, almost look, they almost look like tanks with big windows where the polar bears come up and, and, and look at them and, and they can see polar bears are very curious. So they often um, want to, to look at uh, what might be out there. Um, this was very different in that everything that we did was hiking. It, there was no vehicle involved. There was nothing between us and the wildlife. And that's very unique. And Churchill Wild um, is really the only place in Canada that offers this walking photo safari um, possibility. And um, people can also go without having a photographic focus. They can just go on a walking photo, a regular walking safari. Um, but I chose to go on the more photographically bent um, excursion because I felt like you know other photographers won't mind waiting for me because they're they're taking their photos too. So what was it like? I mean, it it was cold, right? I mean, if it was minus it 29 was, at night. Oh, yes. And it was um, the, the coldest day was minus 39 um, in, during the day. Um, it was incredible. It, it, this, you know, amazing vast tundra where there's no trees. It's all flat, but it's sort of gnarled. And um, there's these wonderful willows that grow um, along the Hudson Bay. And uh, the reason that this location is so important is that um, in July, when the Hudson Bay um, melts, you have all these polar bears that are, are waiting for the ice again to come back in November. And so it's a migration route. And they're walking around, and they haven't had food for months. And Come November, when it starts to snow, that's when it's great to get these wonderful snowy polar bear shots. 
Um, I was there in mid-November that there had been an early freeze, and many of the polar bears had already gone out to the ice to start hunting seals. Um, so I was very lucky to see the polar bears that I did. Um, but in addition to them, I got to see Arctic hare and Arctic fox and ptarmigan, which is these really plump, big white plump birds. Um, I also saw wolves and caribou. I mean, it was extraordinary to be able to see them on their own level at eye level without having the, the something between us, like a building or a vehicle. It was, it was really extraordinary. Well, give us a little geography lesson. Where exactly is this in Canada? Um, it's in, uh, well, it's in northern Canada. Um, the, you know what? I'm terrible with... Oh, that's all right, but it's way up north. Is that the deal? It's, yes, it's it's way up north in Manitoba um, and along the Hudson Bay. Gotcha. So you traveled up there. You what were you were you were staying in a uh, inn? What was that? What what kind of uh, called, yeah? Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, what kind of accommodation Steel is that? River, Steel River Heritage Lodge. And it was run by, it's run by Churchill Wild, um, which is the company that creates these um, wonderful excursions for people. Um, and it was, uh, it was just sort of like that picturesque lodge that you think of vaulted ceilings made of wood. Mm. There, were, there was a moose head on the wall. There was uh, an owl, a stuffed owl that was precariously hanging from the ceiling and almost looking like it would pick up the person walking underneath it. Um, it was um, cozy with a giant fireplace. So it was one of those things where you came in from the cold and, and you really felt like you were in a warm, cozy lodge. Oh, that sounds lovely. So talk a little bit about what it was like seeing all this wildlife that really not many people get an opportunity to see and you're walking did you feel safe i'm sure that it's safe but what was that like uh Yes, I felt safe because we were with three guides that, with Churchill Wild who were obviously incredibly well trained and we would walk, I would say, anywhere from one to three miles, depending on where the wildlife would be. And actually, one time we had um, sort of a, we had a, a, a wonderful experience with a curious polar bear coming towards us. And it, at the end, it got about 30 feet from us. And what happens is, is that they have a very specific way in which they handle an approaching polar bear. And that is, one, they first start talking to it. And the reason they start talking to it is that other than people being there, the tundra is pretty quiet. So the polar bears, you know, don't hear voice. So when they hear voice, sometimes that stops them. If that doesn't stop them, then they'll try... Um, little bangers, which are like firecrack. Oh, I'm sorry. First, they'll start with banging rocks together. And just banging rocks together will make a polar bear move off. If that doesn't work, then they go to bangers, which are these little firecrackers. And they keep escalating um, different you know, sound devices, a bullhorn and so forth. And at the very last, and they've never had to use it, 
um, they'll have a shotgun and they'll shoot um, in the air and they'll shoot at their feet before they would ever shoot a polar bear. Um, our um, our guide Andy joked that it, he, there would be much more, um, there will be less paperwork if he shot me. <laughs> I love that. Well, not that he would shoot you, but <laughs> that he would think that highly of the polar bears. Exactly, exactly. Well, tell us again, Susan, the website info or Facebook info, Twitter, all of that, so we can look at these incredible photos. Sure. It's the insatiabletraveler.com. And on Facebook, I'm Insatiable Traveler, as well as on Instagram. And on Twitter, I am InsaTrav, I-N-S-A-T-R-A-V. Awesome. Well, we'll be back. Uh, Coming up is the Gourmet Highway. You're going to want to stay tuned for that with Doc Lawrence. We'll be back with Susan Portnoy. This is Tina Kinsey, and I'm with Asheville Regional Airport, and I've got a travel tip for you today. It's important to be a savvy traveler, understand the difference between different airlines' products. If you need to arrive at your destination on a certain day by a certain time, you may want to consider planning your flight arrival for the day before you need to be there. Air travel can always be delayed or canceled due to so many reasons, such as weather or mechanical issues. The airlines will certainly honor your ticket and get you rebooked as soon as possible, but remember, every airline is different. Some airlines have frequent flights every day, but other airlines may only fly a couple of days every week, so their ability to rebook you can vary. The bottom line, plan for flexibility. Airlines do their best to manage unforeseen situations, but they can't magically produce another plane and seats on that plane to accommodate every issue. So, let's say you've got a cruise booked. Don't rely on an airline to deliver you to the city port just hours before your cruise time. Plan your trip to arrive the day before. Then, if something unforeseen happens, you still have time to go to Plan B. It's just smart planning. All this said, the good news is that airlines operate on time most of the time. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Blue Ridge Motorcycling Magazine is a quarterly guide to the best rides and most interesting riders. Available in newsstands and at BlueRidgeMotorcyclingMagazine.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. 
I'm so excited to introduce our new Speaking of Travel Travel Series, The Gourmet Highway, with our good friend Doc Lawrence. You know, Doc is a veteran journalist, a published author, TV producer, and enthusiastic wine commentator. And he's here live today from New Orleans to talk to us about all things New Orleans. Welcome, Doc. Hello, Marilyn. Today is great news. Our new journey that we call the Gourmet Highway is just getting started. I chose to come to New Orleans, and how appropriate, because this ancient city, we nicknamed the Big Easy, is about to celebrate its tricentennial this year. And since it soon will be carnival time, everything is really open for business, particularly the French Quarter. A state of mind describes the Gourmet Highway. Those who are steeped in culture form the bedrock of appreciating all things worthy, whether food, fine wines, historic cocktails, hotels, restaurants, clubs, museums, galleries, you name it. An unforgettable here at Antoine's in the French Quarter takes on more romantic memories when it is preceded with a visit to the Faulkner Bookstore, just around the corner, and afternoon cocktails at the Napoleon House. Did you know the cocktail was actually invented here in a pharmacy back in the 1850s? You could still dine for hours in a globally renowned restaurant and walk around the corner to Le Petit Theater, enjoy a live midnight musical play. Can't do that on Broadway. The Gourmet Highway goes through small towns and great cities of the South. In Louisville, before dining in the Sealbox Oak Room, and imagining an evening there with Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald, a tour of the Muhammad Ali Museum, and Heaven Hill Bourbon Distillery adds enormous fascination. A casual walk beside the Ohio River, watching the paddle wheel showboats, conjures for me images of Mark Twain. And let's go to Nashville. This is America's music city, an emerging and exciting culinary center. Great restaurants are short distances from the Country Music Hall of Fame and Studio B of Music Row, where Elvis had over 200 recording sessions. After dinner drinks at Tootsie's Orchid Lounge is almost mandated. As you know, Maryland, Key West is far more than Margaritaville. International cuisine, ranging from French classic to Cuban international, is de rigueur all within walking distance of zero mile post. And we have a lanyap, that's an expression for something extra. We'll tour Ernest Hemingway's home just before cocktails at Sloppy Joe's. Atlanta, Asheville, Mobile, Charlotte, Charleston, and Memphis beckon. These romantic destinations opening up their arms, and I'm headed their way. Marilyn, I can't wait to take you and your wonderful audience on this trip for the ages. Hey, how are we going to top a cruise on a balmy evening down Moon River in lovely Savannah? Well, Marilyn, that's about all for today. I'll go grab a hurricane glass for you and some Mardi Gras beads to add for your collection. This is Doc Lawrence reporting from New Orleans for Speaking of Travel. Thanks, Doc. Can't wait to get my Mardi Gras beads. Talk to you next week on the Gourmet Highway. We're here with Susan Portnoy, the insatiable traveler. And Susan, I can't wait to catch up with you on where you 
where you've been and what you're doing. So that trip to the upper Canadian tundra was fascinating. Tell us about your trip to Peru. Oh, sure. It's, um, I just came back, actually. Um, it was an Amazon river cruise with international expeditions. Um, it was my first cruise. For all the traveling I've done, it was my first cruise ever. Um, so that was an adventure, just wanting to get an idea of what it would be like on a cruise, and I loved it. There's really something to be said for going many places but not having to pack and unpack. Um, but this particular cruise was in Peru, and we traversed about 600 miles of the Amazon and some of its largest tributaries. Um, mainly the Yucayali, sorry, I'm terrible pronunciation, Yucayali River in the Pacaya Samiria National Reserve. And that is a very specific area where there's a lot of wonderful little rivers that shoot off from it that are great for wildlife viewing. So you were able to, again, get your camera out and do some wildlife uh, photography, Exactly, exactly. It was fun and it was, and it was a challenge as well because you're on these, you know, you have your big boat that you're on and then you have these little skiffs that you are 12 people each and you, you know, you get into those and I had my camera, I had a long lens camera. For those who are photography enthusiasts, I, I used a 100, 400 millimeter uh, lens. And um, it's challenging because in the jungle there, um, it's overcast, so a lot of things are cast in shadow, and things are far away, monkeys high up in the trees and birds flying high up into the trees. And then you're also on water, so you're constantly moving. So it was a, a challenge to get some photographs, but I'm really happy with what I came away with. And people will be able to see that story coming up later this week on the insatiabletraveler.com. That is really awesome. And, you know, having known you now for a couple of years and, and following you and uh, watching you grow with your uh, photography and the scope of travel that that you're doing um, is really it's really inspiring, Susan. I have to say because you know when we talk about travel as being um, you know sometimes you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're you know you're trying new things, maybe taking a little bit of a risk. It, it sounds like as you're growing and and traveling more and more, uh, you're challenging yourself as far as you know learning your craft and and getting yeah, better and absolutely. better what's that feel like for you it's it's great and it's scary at the same time because you know moving out of your comfort zone is moving out of your comfort zone and um but i i i do like to 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 tackle a good challenge uh in peru shooting these shooting um the birds up in the air and, and photographing the monkeys and things like that. Um, 
it, it made me feel good if I got it, uh, you know, as I slowly started to learn what my shutter speed needed to be as I understood where the boat needed to be so that I could get a better shot. All those kinds of things now are, are you know, forever in my repertoire, and, and that's incredibly valuable. Absolutely. And, and it's invaluable for us as well, as I said, like living vicariously through you, being there on the spot, taking these beautiful photos. And then being able to, uh, you know, I definitely want to address your writing portion of the program because your writing uh, is just so beautiful and and flowing. And you're able to put us right there in your thoughts and and in that spot. Is that something that just flows for you as you're you're soaking it all in? You know, it comes and goes in terms of flow. Um, Writing is not... My, my first passion, uh, photography is my first passion, but it's important for me to be able to communicate the entire story. So sometimes I can just write something and it comes out of me like a river, you know, just perfectly flowing. Other times when I really want to communicate something um, that might be a little different or a little more challenging to uh, provide the the full picture, um, I can get stumped, you know? Um, and so I really, I really keep working at it. I'm, I, I try all the time to, to get better and to, um, be faster at it so that I can, uh, spend time, you know, with editing photos and things like that. But, um, I'm really happy to hear that you, that you like the writing. Well, I can tell you, it, it all seems to be working for you. And, you know, there's a lot of lesson to be learned in in being able to take your time, uh, develop your craft, and move forward with something that you're really passionate about. I'm getting a little moved, but tell us again real fast your website, Susan. Sure. Sure. It's the insatiabletraveler.com. And you can find that also on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, it's InsaTrav, I-N-S-A-T-R-A-V. Sounds great. Well, we'll be right back. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract, engage, and connect with Latino customers. 
People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Don't forget to visit speakingoftravel.net and join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. There's going to be lots on the horizon coming up in 2018, and I want you to be a part of it. And you can follow Speaking of Travel on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and type in Speaking of Travel, and there's links to past podcasts and photos and so much more. And you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag speaktravel to me. That's the number two. And speaking travel to me today is Susan Portnoy. She is the insatiable traveler. Welcome back, Susan. Uh, It's great to be here, Marilyn. Thank you. It is great having you here. And I'm telling you, that trip to Peru, that just sounds like a dream come true. I want to hear more about... uh, what you were looking at as you're as you're floating down the Amazon River? What give put us there? Give us some uh, some scenes. Sure, sure. Well, you know the rainforest is is incredibly lush and and thick, and so when you're going down these more narrow rivers where it's easier for you to see uh, birds on both sides or monkeys on both sides. I mean, you just get this sense of, of almost going back in time as if you're in a sort of a Jurassic Park. Um, I, I really loved it. it. It was interesting to me in that um, I learned some things about the Amazon I didn't know before, which, for example, I didn't know how, how muddy it is. It's almost a cafe au lait color because of all the sediment that it moves, you know, along its way before it... Um, Spills out into the Atlantic, so that was something that you can't you can't see what's beneath you. Um, I also learned about these really interesting areas where there's um, blackwater rivers that the um, the tree leaves and the and different um, uh, uh, t- uh, t- well the tree leaves end up um, decaying and raise the pH level in these blackwater rivers so that it completely gets rid of all the parasites that are normally in the Amazon. And um, it's just that you can go swimming in it. So we, we did that. Um, some other things that we did uh, is we, did, we went kayaking, um, which without having a motor, being able to just glide through these rivers and hear the birds and hear the monkeys call to each other, um, was truly, you know, a, a spectacular way 
to, to see the Amazon. Um, a couple other things we did, we went piranha fishing. Have you ever been piranha fishing? I have to <laughs> say I never have, although I did see a piranha uh, when I was in Cuba in the Cuban waters. One actually jumped up onto the boat. So I can't imagine what it's like to just go fishing for them. I know. It's not the kind of thing that you normally think that you're going to go after. But, yes, um, it, was, it, was, it was really quite fun. I, I haven't done a lot of fishing in my life, so this was a unique experience. But what we did is we took the skiff and we just sort of tied up to a tree at the edge of a, of a river. And they gave us these just wood, simple wooden poles. Just simple wooden poles with a line, a hook, and some bait. And the bait, of course, was meat. And they told us, throw it in and then take the tip of your, uh, tip of your rod and swish it around in the water. Swish it around almost as if um, you're recreating what it would be like if an animal fell into the water and was struggling. And that movement and the meat call the piranha. And they start biting almost right away. Um, it's really incredible. And they can get big. For some reason, I thought piranha were, were, it was much smaller, you know, silver dollar size. But there were piranha that were half a foot long, two foot long. I mean, it was really incredible. And they have um, teeth, right? Oh, yeah, they sure do. They sure do have teeth. And the, the trick is... To, to, when they start to bite, is to pull them up quickly. But I'm a lousy fisherman, I've learned. Um, and every time I pull them up, they would usually fall off off the hook. So um, I'm never going to win any piranha fishing awards. Well, there you go. <laughs> but what an adventure. Yes, it was great. And another thing that we did that I, I just wanted to, to talk about, because I think it's fantastic, is that um, you know, wildlife is sort of the foundation of, of why you might want to go to the Amazon because it's so lush and fertile and, and there's so much wildlife there. But the Amazon also has um, many villages um, that are within the Sakaya Samaria Reserve. And um, so we went to visit some of the villages there and to meet the people and to learn a little bit about their daily life and to get a sense of, um, you know, what what it is to live on the on the Amazon. It was it was really um, an important part of the trip. So, what were the people like? Were they oh, able they to were... speak English? They didn't speak English. Um, they spoke Spanish, uh, but our guides um, were fantastic in translation. They were very humble. They were very welcoming. Um, a little shy. Some of these villages only have fifteen families total. Uh, there was one gentleman who was the patriarch, sort of the grandfather of of the village, and he had nine children and 42 grandchildren. Wow. Uh, I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they were incredibly um, sweet. Uh, they allowed me to photograph them. Um, you know, they, they were very giving um, of their time for us. What a wonderful experience. I mean, I'm just so in awe of these experiences that you're having, you know, with the the people and the uh, the wildlife and uh, this, these new experiences. You had never been there before, right? No, I've never been there. And, it, you know, I'd been to Peru to see Machu Picchu, which was my first solo trip ever. Um, but that was years ago, and I had never been in this area uh, in the north. 
and um, it was just so beautiful and and you know compelling. It was really compelling. You you, know, you just wanted to stare at it, and as it glided by, it was like watching a Nat Geo. A documentary unfold right before me. Well, you've had a lot of those experiences in your life. You know, when you think about what you've seen and done just over the last couple of years, the uh, the Northern Lights, you know, the the polar bears, the all the wonderful people that you've met all over the world. You know, it. I, I would just imagine that all of this intake for you is is creating hope and and love for the the human race. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's one of the most important things about travel is that you're not getting your information from internet or Facebook or anything else about a particular culture or particular people. Um, you're learning it yourself. And usually you find that there's more in common than there is that's not. And uh, I've made great friendships along the way, which is important to me. Um, I've learned so much. I understand more. I'm, you know, seeing new cultures or, I mean, I'm sorry, new places with, with you know, these older, more traditional cultures like in Mongolia, um, in Peru. Um, you really get a sense of, of, of time and, and where we are in the world and, and how different life is, um, you know, when I get very city-centric here in New York City. Well, you're inspiring so many, Susan, with your, with your I, I call it holding your space. It's like you're out there doing all these wonderful things, you know, um, engaging in the world. Uh, and for those of us who don't have those opportunities to travel to to these exotic places, or even uh, you know, when you go on your website, you see you've been you know behind the scenes of a rodeo, doing a little dog sledding. There's so much uh, that's inspiring for us too, and and gives us uh, a sense of the magic that you're living. I I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you. It's so important to me. I really do want to encourage people to travel. And you don't have to go to remote locations. You know, traveling can be just in the United States. It's really about pushing yourself, getting out of your comfort zone, uh, meeting new people and, and learning about new people, whether it's in another state or it's in another country, uh, you know, around the world. I just think travel adds so much to one's life. And I'm, and I'm really happy that uh, you feel I'm able to communicate that. Well, thank you. And I want you to just keep forging the way so that <laughs> we can follow you. And tell us again, before we go, what your website is, how we can check out some of your incredible photography. Absolutely. My website is the insatiabletraveler.com. And you'll find me at on Facebook as Insatiable Traveler, as well as Instagram. And on Twitter, I'm at Insatrav, which is I-N-S-A-T-R-A-V. Awesome. Well, thank you, Susan, and go off and have a great day, and, and let's do this again. 
Thank you, Marilyn. I've really enjoyed our talk. Awesome. Well, thank you. So this week, as you go out, um, you know, check out the Gourmet Highway. Be thinking about food and fun and family and travel and meeting new people. And remember, whatever you do, don't postpone joy. 